You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1000 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Tuesday. And today's podcast is sponsored by the good folks at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you. So today's podcast is episode 1000. If you're listening to this by now, you probably know that Bob Rathman, the television voice of the Hawks, is joining me on today's podcast to help me celebrate 1000 episodes. But a few things before I bring Bob in to the podcast. First, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show and also supporting the sponsors and generally engaging with the podcast since I launched it back in July 2016. It's been a long time, almost five years. I didn't expect that to be happening. Uh, a thousand episodes is a lot, much less doing so in less than five years. It's been uh, a heavy lift at times, but certainly a lot of fun to do. And it's been made easier by all of you listening to the podcast, but not be still going without your support. And I really am grateful to everyone who has subscribed and downloaded and listened and uh, shared on social media and all that stuff. So thank you sincerely for all of the support and you listening. Um, before we get to Bob, there are a couple of news items to hit on before I bring Bob in um, that I haven't touched on yet on the podcast. One actually happened on Tuesday. The NBA announced on Tuesday the, that they actually broke the tiebreakers for the 2021 NBA draft. There was a question about whether the Hawks would be drafting 19 or 20. And in the end, they're picking 20th in the first round. They lost the tiebreaker with the Knicks. I know a lot of Hawks fans were upset that they even had to do one because New York got home court advantage in the playoffs, but that's just kind of separate entity. I know Hawks fans also were hoping to have 19 because Travis Schlenk is 2-for-2 two two on number 19 overall picks with John Collins and Kevin Herter, but this time he'll have to try for number 20 overall, and that'll be Atlanta's first-round pick this year. Uh, no harm done, only one slot, but there you have it for now. Um, Sean Serrani, by the way, of The Athletic last week reported that there is strong momentum toward the Hawks making Nate McMillan their permanent head coach. Not a huge surprise there whatsoever, but I didn't have a chance to touch on this until now. Um, Obviously, the way the team finished the season, everyone expects that McMillan is the favorite to return. Um, His impressive resume also helps in that, you know, Nate's been around for a long time, has a really good resume, especially in the regular season, and his, uh, you know, his sort of speaks for itself, and obviously his results from this year even more so. But this is definitely the firmest reporting that has been out there from a national standpoint to this point about McMillan coming back. I have pointed out, just as a matter of record-keeping, that he's not under contract for next year, so that takes away a little bit of the certainty. They have to both offer him the job and have him take it in order to happen, but I will still be shocked if the Hawks don't offer him the job, and it seems like from that reporting and just kind of the logical standpoint here that he is definitely the clear favorite to be the head coach next season. I know Hawks fans want him to be back after what things have gone this year, so that is uh, the latest on Nate. And uh, one more thing here before we get to the sponsors and bring in Bob. With a Game 1 win, the betting market is now adjusted to have the Hawks about a 70% favorite-ish to win the series, if you if you believe in the implied odds of that, they are a pretty big favorite in the betting market. Not too surprising there, given the Hawks had a lead in the series and they took home court back with the win in Game 1, but it could swing a little bit back toward New York if they were to win Game 2. If the Hawks win Game 2, it'll be a commanding position because they'll have both wins in New York and then come home for Game 3 and Game 4 on Friday and Sunday. So something to keep an eye on there, but people are asking me what the sort of, I posted the series prices and all that, but basically what it means is the implied odds are about 70% for the Hawks to win this series if you believe in the betting market. Okay, I don't think I need to introduce Bob Rathman because he is the legend himself, but if you're somehow familiar with his work, Bob has been the television voice of the Hawks for 25 years. At this point, I said this a little bit a little bit ago on the show, I think two weeks ago, 
that he's basically been the soundtrack to my basketball watching life as the guy I've listened to and watched the most of anyone uh, broadcasting Hawks games for as long as he has. And given that I was 10 when he took over, that tells you how long he's been around. But I'm happy to call him my friend at this point. Uh, I really value that relationship, and Bob is the best. So I bribed him to come on this podcast for episode 1000. He claims to listen to the show as well. I think he actually does listen, to be honest with you. But we'll talk about that more in a second when he comes on. But uh, before we get to Bob, a word from our sponsors. And when we, when we come back from that, we will have Bob Rathman on the podcast. But first, a word from the folks at Lucy.co. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Contact scientists, former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not for patients, Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Also, Lucy has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three more flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are both FSA and HSA eligible. You can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy right now, and it's convenient and discreet for you. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. It is 2021 after all. You can get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple, you don't have to leave your house to get it, because Lucy has delivery down. Locked on NBA Network listeners can go to Lucy.co, use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That is Lucy.co, use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Also, this disclaimer I have to give, warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the car or truck world, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless questioning from someone at a storefront and have to wait while someone at the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right now, both at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the audio and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is uniquely and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you went right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box to know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I am joined now by a man who does not need to be introduced by me in any way, shape, or form, the television voice of the Atlanta Hawks and many other things. Bob Rathman is here. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, Brad. I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, it's it's my honor for you to be here on this momentous occasion, episode 1000. Uh, I reached out to you a while ago, gauging your interest, and uh, thankfully, you agreed to do this for me, so I appreciate it. Well, I am a longtime listener, first-time caller, <laughs> and... Uh, I am so tickled uh, that you would think of me to come on for show number 1000, but any time that I can speak to the true believers, uh, I take advantage of. So it's great to be amongst Hawks fans and you in particular. I listen to this podcast as part of my game prep routine and uh, love every episode. So congratulations on this momentous occasion. Thank you, sir. Any, anything that you say that's incorrect, you can blame on my podcast for listening and prep. Right. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Um, well, um, we're definitely going to talk about some Hawks Knicks stuff. Obviously, we're in the middle of a playoff series, which I was not planning on episode 1000 being in the middle of a playoff series, but it worked out that well um, for us. So we'll come back to that. I, I promise we'll talk some Hawks Knicks, but I do want to ask you something more broad to start with. And 
it's that there's just been obviously in the world, but also in the basketball world, this bizarre you know, year plus. I know you fairly well, and I know you like to work. And I know you like to be in the gym, not only calling games, but just kind of being around basketball and uh, being at practice and that kind of stuff. And that's not been able to be happening recently. So I want to know how this last year was for you, not only calling games and doing your job, but just like living life and being a basketball observer in a different way. It's been difficult, Brad. I won't kid you. Um, you know, part of the role of announcer for a team is you're the conduit for the fans and you're really the person that they rely on any of us really that, that cover the team, but the TV broadcast in particular are the closest thing you can get to getting with the players. And we've always felt like it's part of our job to be on the inside to some degree, to be able to share what the players are going through, what the coaches are going through over the course of an 82 game grind and into the playoffs, et cetera. I've never felt in the 25 years of keeping the seat warm that I felt more detached from the team and the players and the coaches than I have this year. Uh, everything, as you know, with the pandemic came to a screeching halt uh, in March of a year ago, and we didn't know what was going to happen next. I thought we'd be out for a couple of weeks and then get back to business. And then lo and behold, not only is the season suspended, but our season ended. We were part of the delete eight, as you know, uh, <laughs> not allowed to go to the bubble. So everything stopped. And I have not been to our practice facility since. And for someone who is, uh, you kindly referred to as a gym rat, uh, this is, uh, this is a fish out of water for me, uh, to mix metaphors. It is just so different that I'm, I'm so used. I've lived there, you know, yeah. I'm at practice every day. I'm traveling with the team. I'm at every game. I'm in the locker room and to not have that, uh, is very, very different. What I think has made it a little easier, Brad, is that no one has, we're all yeah. living through zooms and, no travel and trying to keep up best we can, but it's been different and it's been difficult. You know, it's funny the other couple of weeks ago, I had to fill in and host Hawks live our post game show pre and post. And we had a couple of announcers get sick. So I filled in and I was obviously the, the last one to leave state farm arena and the team was leaving to uh, go on a road trip after the game. And then just as I was walking down our head of security, was pulling out to drive to the airport, Vince Velasquez. I don't know you know Vince. Yep. And he just stopped for a second. He said, you know, how are you? And I said, well, <laughs> you know, we're hanging in there. How are you? And, and he looked at me, this long pause, and he said, Bob, it's been a rough year. Yep. And for somebody like Vince to say that, you know, and, and it, it was really emotional uh, for him to say that. Uh, just tells you the toll that these guys have been through. I cannot imagine, Brad, uh, you know, going through the testing and going through, you know, what they've had to go through. The I mean, it's tough enough getting enough sleep under normal circumstances, but having to be jostled out of bed at 8 o'clock in the morning after getting in at 2 a.m. to go test, uh, I can't imagine what these guys have been through. And it's not over yet. They're still testing daily. Uh, some of the restrictions are relaxed with the vaccinations, but still, it's been very, very difficult, and uh, it's, it's been tough. There's no doubt about that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been uh, it's been so strange for everyone, for sure. And I think of, you know, it's been weird for me and I'm not around the team nearly on the level that you are. I mean, because you're you're there every day, like you just alluded to and you're on the plane. I mean, you, I'm not sure if everybody knows that, like you, you fly with the team, like you're, you're mm-hmm. around them all the time. And uh, to go from that at level of access and being around to basically being down here with me uh, on Zoom and uh, <laughs> it's got to be a, it's got to be a big change. So, I mean, to be able to do the, the work that you, uh, that you and Nick and everybody else over there have done, you know, virtually remotely, because like you said, I mean, I haven't been near a player or assistant coach or, you know, an equipment guy or a trainer or anybody for that long. And it's, it's just very strange that uh, that's all happened, but I think it's easy to get sort of lost in that now because the light at the end of the tunnel is seemingly getting there and, Obviously, the Hawks had a really good season on the court overall, which has been obviously making it a little bit easier for everybody. But it's it's been a lot. I mean, to echo your sentiment, like every, I think everybody around the league, whether they're winning or not, it's easy, it's easier when you win, I guess. But nobody's having uh, too much fun compared to normal in terms of just the day to day grind of Bill. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and I, I told someone who was asking me about, well, what do you think about not traveling? And I said, you know. I'll, I'll take a mulligan on this year. Uh, this is not traveling. You know, yeah. if you can't go out and have dinner and True. see your friends and, uh, you know, be at the games, I can't imagine what it's like being cooped up in your hotel room, you know, basically all day until you get ready to go play uh, is very, very tough. So that's not what they're used to. And uh, they pulled it off, you know, and the league, I think, has, is to be commended for that. But it, it's not without a toll an emotional toll. And I think something that's been fairly underreported uh, as we've gone through this experience. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. And I, I didn't mean to start somber, but I just, I just knew that's been your, your oh, life's no, been different. No, like, like, every, like, I, like everybody else, your life's been different. And I wanted people to kind of understand, you know, you go from that life to, you know, you're calling games still, but you're calling and, and from the arena. But uh, I wanted to ask you this actually, just kind of uh, as a more amusing one, what's it like to call a game in, a, in an empty arena? I know you and I have talked about this a little bit offline, but it's got to be a little bit strange knowing at least on, on the road that you're, you're sitting there in the arena calling a game with nobody around you and you've got your headphones on and all that. But uh, is that a bizarre experience like I assumed it would be? Oh, it's very bizarre. And it's more bizarre, I think, for the people around us. You know, <laughs> we're in this we're in this huge arena, State Farm Arena, and we are we broadcast the road games just like we do the home games, only we do it off monitors instead of facing the court. So we turn one table, uh, but Nick is in the same spot that he's in. And when we put our headsets on, we hear the Nat sound the natural sound from the arena where we are playing like MSG. So we hear the pregame, the guys dribbling the ball and shooting and the kibitzing that's going on and all that. We <laughs> hear all that. And, but when you take your headsets off, you're in a, it's like being in a library. It's just complete silence. And that kind of plays with your head a little bit. Uh, you know, Nick and I get all wound up calling a game but the people around us kind of look at us like we're half crazy because they can't hear what we hear. All they hear are two guys talking at the top of their lungs at the end of a, of a close game and exciting game. And so that's kind of strange, but you're in this, I mean, the hundreds of times you've been in that arena, Brad, you can imagine there's nobody there. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's nobody it, because it's, the it's, production crew is outside in the truck, the production truck. Right. So inside there may be eight to 10 of us counting the audio guys, the camera guys, stats, stage, me, Neek, Kelly, Stinger, whoever's on the air that night. And if Jerome and Renee are with us, uh, a few more, but that's it. And it gets real quiet and real cold. 
and you got it and you got it you got to rise to the level too i mean you're you're on the air and it, it can't seem like you're broadcasting from a library it has to you have to i mean you're 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 an old pro but you have to be able to hit the hit the beats you have to be able to to hit a, hit a certain level when trey hits a big three in the fourth quarter you can't be whispering <laughs> like you right. might it might feel like you might want to in, in the venue that you're in you got to just kind of block it all out and, and call the game which i think is yeah. uh it's been interesting i'm i'm sure i know it's been odd to to watch to watch that and knowing a little bit in the back line. I mean, I'm more of a media nerd than most and just knowing where you guys are calling the game. Uh, I, I think about it sometimes, like, I wonder how they're feeling about this right now. Right. You know, the biggest compliment I think we received during the season uh, is we didn't know you guys weren't traveling. Yep. So, okay. We'll take That's that great. as a compliment because we've, uh, you know, we make no bones about the fact that we're there. You can see it in our open that we're in the arena, but we do try to kind of get our souls into the visiting arena and, and be a part of the game that way. So when people tell us uh, it sounds the same, that's a big compliment to us. Yeah, absolutely. That is uh it's impressive to not be able to tell um, if, if you're just watching home, like, Oh, Bob and Eaker, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're in New York in the middle of this, uh, in this venue. Um, all right. I'm, I'm going to ask you about some basketball stuff now. And sure. obviously this has been an interesting season, both because they're coming out of this rebuild and uh, they got hot late in the second half of the season. Um, and you've seen a lot of the up and down. I mean, you saw the early 2000s when they were brutal for several years. And then you saw the 10 straight playoff teams and then another rebuild. How has this one been for you? Like the, the transformation of this team from you know that all those years with Al and Paul and all those guys into the rebuild and now led by led, led by Trey and John and all those guys. What's what's this been like? What's the journey been like from your perspective from you know rebuilding to now coming out of this for the first time in a few years? Well, this is one of the fastest ones I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Three uh, years out, basically you know, as all you, was. You know, Brad, you you study this league like no other and there's no telling when you're going to come out of it. Uh, you know, the thing about the draft, and this is not Hawks related. This is just the reality of professional basketball. Nobody, nobody in the history of the NBA bats a thousand in player personnel. When you're drafting people, you know, you think you got a pretty good idea what they're going to do, but you really don't know. And if you flame out on some really big picks, it's going to make that road back all the more difficult. So kudos to Travis in two regards. Number one, the young people that he drafted, uh, A, and then B, the additions that he made this summer yep. uh, to put us over the hump. Uh, I know it could not have been easy. And again, this is from the outside looking in because I'm not with them this year. I would feel more confident you know, about saying this had I been there, but I, I know just from the people involved – knowing them personally as I do, it could not have been an easy decision to change coaches in midstream. Yeah. Uh, that is, from the outside, I think fans sometimes, Brad, take a look at uh, player transactions or making a coaching change is just a part of doing business. But these are human beings. There's a lot of emotions involved. And it affects your day-to-day. -day. You know, the, the head coach is the leader uh, in that locker room. And uh, – as strong a veteran presence as you might have, it's still the coach's team. He's still the one guiding the fortunes of everybody. And when you change coaches like that, uh, it can be difficult. And um, what has happened with this team to be where we were, uh, to make the change and to respond the way that they have, 
has been nothing short of miraculous. And I do think it's another underreported story uh, in the NBA. Uh, yes, they've made notes of the fact that our record is this and Nate was coach of the month and et cetera. But I don't think people really understand where we were and where we've come from uh, to get to this position. And then to have this group with all these young players go to Madison Square Garden, the biggest event since the pandemic started, screaming at you, hollering at you, cussing you out, and to go up there and perform like they did? Are you kidding me? And we didn't change coaches till March the 1st? I mean, this is ridiculous how, how this has turned around. And yeah, we're all fans. And I think we kind of get greedy. We want more. And, uh, you know, can we beat the Knicks and move to the second round and all of that stuff. But I, t I take the 30,000 foot view. This is borderline miraculous. And Brad, you've been around long enough to know what we did Sunday night in New York will go down as one of the finest playoff victories this franchise has had since they've been in Atlanta. I don't think people understand what we really pulled off on Sunday night. Yeah, it was obviously a, a heck of a win, especially given the circumstances and, you know, this, this first time playoff team. And yeah, they, they have some veterans. Of course, you have guys who've been there before, like Click Capella and Gallinari and, you know, Bogdan has not been in the NBA, but he's playing, he's played at a high level across, across the pond. And, but still to have, all these young guys, especially, you know, Trey taking center stage in his first playoff game. And yeah, it's, it's a, that was a heck of a performance. It uh, really was six turnovers. I mean, yeah, taking care of the ball, uh, didn't get a ton of breaks either. Just kind of took no. care of business and uh, in, in a battle and they, you know, they didn't blow them. It would have been easier if they blew them out. You know, it's sometimes you're just better that day and you win by 20 and it's a little bit more comfortable, right. but they had to come back in the second half. They were losing for a wide portion of the second half of that game, which, I think it makes it even more um, impressive. Um, I'm going to ask you uh, some more about this season and also the Knicks stuff in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor of today's podcast. Bet online is the easiest and the fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is definitely here and in full swing. You can track all the action at betonline.ag. Plus, in addition to baseball, the NBA playoffs are here, as you're listening to all the time on this podcast. And uh, beyond that, all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Of course, you have MLB and NBA and you have NHL, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, all that you can think of. It's all there at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch or dribble, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop and mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information that you can find all in one place. Posted on the sidelines anymore, this is your chance to get into the game and get in on the action. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with betonline.ag. That's a 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code, one more time, is Locked On for 50% welcome bonus with the site on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Bob, let us continue. I want to ask you one thing more broadly before we get back to the Knicks. And it's basically... Uh, well, this kind of feeds into the next series too, because of all, all the stuff that made the rounds about ESPN and their 14 to two predictions and all this stuff. Uh, you know, you're, you've been around here forever. Uh, do you think, and I, I know the answer, I think to this question, do you think the national perception has caught up to where this team is? Because my answer is no on that. I feel like the Hawks are still being overlooked, but uh, where do, what do you think of that? Because I, it's a question I get all the time. I'm sure you do too, is kind of like, you know, why aren't the Hawks discussed more or why is Trey underrated or why aren't they talking about us? And, What's your sort of viewpoint on that um, as close to things as you are? I suspect that's the first time the national media has seen the Hawks play in five years. 
It uh, might be true. It might, it might be right. Uh, you, I am consistently because I I do take pride in my my business. Uh, it's embarrassing to me to have people on a national stage, writers, casters, you name it, that have no more feel for what's going on in the NBA than the man to moon. And I and I where it comes from, Brad, I just don't know. I because we have to cover all 30 teams to do what we do because oh, yeah. we see Cleveland and we see Sacramento and we see all these teams. We have a much better feel for what's going on in the NBA than the people who cover it nationally. They are so enamored with LeBron and New York and LA and Boston. And that's who dominates the media. And I don't, it's probably always been that way, but it really is infuriating because you'd like to have somebody stand up and say, Hey, wait a minute. There are things going on in Atlanta and Memphis and some other places that you ought to read checking out because this isn't a fluke. And then when it happens, everybody says, well, I didn't, I didn't know Atlanta was that good. Uh, who's this Trey young? Uh, what, what, what's the story with him? And, and who's this John Collins guy? That's the kind of stuff that just, that just blows my mind. Prepare, watch the games. Uh, it drives me nuts, but you asked, so there's your answer. I, I do get upset about that. And, and I think a part of it is because I'm an Atlanta sports fan and you got to have, uh, you got to have thick skin you got to be able to have your heart broken and still get out there uh, and, and root for these teams because success has not come in our, our way in a big way, like it has in other cities, but you know what? I wouldn't root for anybody else. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, do it. I can't root against our teams uh, as frustrating as they could be at times. <laughs> I don't understand how you could live here and not be a fan of the teams. I don't care if you're, you know, your family had Steelers uh, season tickets for four generations. I don't care. You live here now, and it's time to get behind these teams. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I know. I know you used to call Braves games too, so you're uh, you were close. You were close to that, and uh, yeah, it's. It's always interesting to me. I try not to lean into it, into it too far all the time because I know it just, it's just out there, but it really is kind of amazing, especially this is sort of the perfect storm too. They're playing a Knicks team that honestly is a great story. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to try to overlook the Knicks. They had a great year. They were a, a big surprise and it's New York and they haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. I, I get all of that stuff, but you would have thought the Knicks were playing. Uh, I, I'm not even sure who they were playing in the first round, <laughs> first round series right. before it was a, uh, before it was out there. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of relieved that um, not only for obvious reasons, but if the Hawks had lost game one, it would have been an avalanche as I'm sure, you know, it would have been an avalanche of here come the Knicks. And uh, oh, yeah. now it's a, a, little, a, a little bit more uh, stable. Now, of course, if they, if they were to lose on Wednesday, it'll be right back to that. But um, at least for a few days here with this long break in between game one and game two, there's been a little bit of Hawks coverage, which is nice. Well, the one thing I will say, Brad, because, uh, you know, it's easy to, to dump on these New York fans because they're so over the top, but I compliment them. I mean, I, I've done a zillion games in New York, and I love the passion. I wish every fan base were that way, that you woke up in the morning living, breathing, dying with the teams. And so to that, I say congratulations, and I compliment them because they are. I mean, they are as passionate a sports fan base is there is in, a, in the country, in the world, for that matter. It and was it was very thing. loud in there, it seemed like. Yeah, uh, it was great. Yeah. It was great. And I love doing games at the Garden, and I'll never take that away from them. But uh, 
my my uh, angst is with the media. You know, that's not your job. Your job is to cover this league, and and we get short shrifted. And so is like Memphis. I use them as an example because everybody's looking at that team saying, "Oh, how in the world could they, you know, win two playoff games and a uh, play-in games and then go win game one in Salt Lake City?" I said, "Have you been watching the growth of this team under Taylor Jenkins? You would not be surprised." Former uh, Hawks staffer. Exactly. Jenkins, no less. Um, I could probably ask you about the whole roster. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I do want to get one Trey question in because Trey is obviously uh, the biggest story this week and usually with this Hawks team. Uh, I was asked this actually right before we started recording on the radio, uh, kind of the broad question of why is Trey discussed the way he is and why is he seemingly underrated? So instead of answering it, I'm going to ask you if you have any ideas because I, I don't know. I feel like Trey has always been a little bit polarizing for whatever reason, but it seems to me, especially this year, there's not even the excuse of not winning anymore. The, the, the team is winning. He's playing well. He was obviously quite good in game one. And I just have been a little bit baffled why he has not gotten quite the level of acclaim that you normally would see for the best player, the, the leading score on a top five seed in the conference. It's a very interesting question, Brad. And I, it's one that I get a lot. I'm a little mystified by it. I think a couple of things. Number one, he's always played this way. If you go back and watch him in high school, yep. AAU, Oklahoma, you name it, uh, he's always been this way because he hadn't grown any. He's the same size, and he's got to play this way to be effective uh, at his size and his weight uh, in professional basketball. I didn't think ESPN did him any favors his freshman year in college. You know, he got so hot so fast in November and December. You know, the toothpaste was out of the tube. And to the point of, if you remember, on their score bug at the bottom of the screen, they would have, you know, Oklahoma and Baylor. But at the top of the bar, they would put how many points Trey had in every yeah, game. I remember. I thought that was incredibly unfair uh, to him and to Oklahoma and to Lon. I just, it was, it just made him this marked man. And then, then he had all the comparisons to Steph Curry and he's not Steph Curry. He's much closer to Pete Maravich than he is Steph Curry. Um, and I, I think all of that sort of uh, brought us up to draft night. And then lo and behold, we have the trade. And I think that did so many things. It set so many storylines in motion that this constant comparison to Luca and, you know, getting cam and, and does two for one equal out the trade and all of this stuff, instead of let the kid play and learn. And we did that for two years and it was a little painful, but once he was surrounded with a team, his scoring dropped a bit. The assist stayed high. Uh, he's showing you that, he can be the X factor that this team and this city has longed for since Dominique Wilkins. He does it a little differently because I think physically he looks like the kid that comes over on Saturday to mow your lawn <laughs> instead of this, you know, guy that's going to go Michael Jordan tongue wagon down the lane, get deck, still dunk it. He's not that. And so I think of, as we have come to appreciate Trey, he's got a unique way that he plays. I think it's been a godsend for him to play under Nate McMillan. 
I think slowly Nate is molding him into the overall and all-around player that he can be. He's still a young guy with a lot to learn. Going through these fires of the playoffs and meaningful games for the first time is all a part of it. But I think it's his physical stature, the the cockiness, the brashness that he brings. Uh, you don't expect that out of a guy his size. Um, I think all of that really he he plays into some stereotypes that that maybe people aren't so proud of when they look in the mirror. But overall, I think the kid has got that moxie about him. I mean, not too many of us at age 22 could go into Madison Square Garden and and take the abuse that he took and perform and then just shush the crowd after he hits the game. <laughs> there aren't many guys in the league who would do that much less a guy playing his first playoff game. So it's a, it's a interesting story. Uh, it's one that I find very fascinating as I know you do too. And uh, to see the perceptions all change and uh, storylines altered because of what he did Sunday nights. Very, very interesting to me. Yeah, for me, it shouldn't it shouldn't have taken him to do that. It was uh, on one hand, obviously, quite impressive what he did in New York in Game One, but it shouldn't have taken that. I feel like it would be good if the perception caught up with the way that he's played, and maybe this will be what it takes for him to have a big series in the playoffs. And I wish it hadn't taken that, but maybe that'll maybe that'll sort of balance the scales a little bit, and he'll start getting a little bit more uh, of the uh, I would say appropriate coverage. <laughs> but I, I don't think he's gotten so far. Um, I, you know, one more guy I want to ask you about because he's, he's an X factor I've tried to talk about all season long. And we, again, we get on the whole list. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to you. But uh, Clint Capella, I, I think, is somehow still underrated just because of the he's not a scorer. And that's always been the case. But um, I've made the point several times. I think he almost single handedly transformed this defense to the point where uh, you could argue. I, I'm not sure I would, but you could make an argument that he might be their MVP this se- of this season only. Uh, Trey is still a better player and all that. But. Clint's sort of one-man wrecking crew defensively uh, I think has been really, really impressive. And uh, I haven't heard like a peep about him in the last couple of weeks. Um, part of that's New York and all that stuff too. But I know you guys have done a good job sort of talking about him as a defensive player of the year candidate and all that on the air. But I feel like you're aligned with me. He's been a, a massive, massive part of the turnaround and the, and the success this year. Trey is the all-NBA player on this roster, but Clint Capella has been our MVP. There is no way that we could win like we've won without him. It is amazing that the Houston Rockets, God bless you, Daryl Morey, wherever you are. <laughs> it, I, it's amazing to me that the Houston Rockets could take a look at this guy that they grew and say, you know what? Uh, we really don't value what he brings to the table anymore. We don't need a center. Uh, it, it, uh, what are you thinking? But we're glad to have him. I'll tell you that. Worked out well. And it showed, Brad, in game one, the Knicks did everything they could to not let Clint get that rim running going, not have the lob game. They took that away. It's one of the reasons he only had seven shots in that first game. Yep. And if they try to trap Trey in game two, here comes Clint and here comes John because they've figured out, they've decoded the Nick defense. And if Trey, they don't really have anybody to guard Trey. I don't think no, um, they haven't shown it yet. And it's the same guys. So I don't think they do, but uh, if they do try to come up with a different tactic uh, to get the ball out of his hands, I think that's when bogey and Hunter and these guys go to work because uh, 
Capella and Collins are big time weapons and they will be utilized. But to, to underscore your point, I never knew Clint had a left hand like he had at Houston. You only see him two times a year. Right. You don't really get to appreciate their games, but uh, the way he can keep the ball alive and rebound block shots, uh, use that left hand rim run. Uh, he's tremendous. You know, he's one of those centers, Brad, he doesn't have a great deal in his arsenal offensively, but what he does do, he is outstanding at it. Yep. I agree. You know, very few can run the floor like he can. Very few are as agile. Very few have a left hand. Very few can block and rebound like him. So that makes him to me, our, our MVP. Yeah, he's uh, he's been so good, and I'm glad you mentioned the offense too because I think that's that gets undersold because he's not going to be you know taking thirty footers and doing crazy stuff offensively. But he's a he's a really really valuable player, particularly because it gives Tran outlet um, and his offensive rebounding. Uh, you know, he lead he he led the league, which speaks for itself. But he makes such an impact on offensive glass. Like it's either basically if you're going to try to single him up on the glass with one guy, he's he's going to kill you. And if you try to have you know, sort of gang rebound against him other guys like John and whoever else can make an impact. So that's, um, uh, it's been very impressive. We kind of got into it a little bit a second ago with, you know, the way they're defending Trey, I was going to ask you kind of what you took away from game one, other than just the individual stuff, anything pop out to you in terms of stuff that the Hawks can exploit or what they need to do better in game two and beyond, because, you know, it's, it's a one game sample and they stole the win, which is all that matters in the end. But um, obviously I, I get questions a lot about what the, what, what they should be doing, what they need to be doing. What's, what's worrisome. Um, anything stand out to you from game one that will sort of inform game two, game three. Well, I'm like you, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what the Knicks will do because it's incumbent on the team that lost to change. You know, yep. We don't have to change anything, but uh, they do. And so how are they going to uh, defend Trey? I, my, my guess, knowing Tibbs as we do, is that they are going to get much more physical with him. I think they will risk a flagrant out of one of their bigs. Uh, now, if, if Noel can't play, that, that might change this thinking a little bit. But I think they're going to try to flatten him early in the game and just say, you know what, you're not going to come down this lane. And if it costs them a flagrant, so be it. But they want to send a message. And I just cannot believe they're not going to get physical with him. Now, we're certainly aware of that. So uh, the referees, whoever they are tomorrow night, are going to be put on notice early and often. Uh, that, that kind of stuff is not going to be tolerated. But if you go back, Brad, as I know you do, and you go back and look, watch Taj Gibson. <laughs> He's throwing people around like they're rag dolls. His his second half was unbelievable in terms of if you just uh, if you just isolate watching the film and just watch Taj Gibson, he is doing some stuff that is uh, let's just say not legal. No, and so I you know this is all going to be brought to the attention of the officials, and uh, I think we'll see a much more physical game as it applies to Trey. Now, nobody trapped him any harder than Miami, right? Yeah. I mean, they came at him hard. He come over midcourt and they got two guys full out trapped to get the ball out of his hands. Mm, I think he had his career high against Miami. Yep. So he's got a way to beat that pressure. And I think getting bogey off and going in the second half is key uh, to this one. We talked about uh, Collins and Capella, how they can make you pay. If we got to play them four on three, if they trap Trey, you know, good luck to the Knicks. Uh, we just got too many offensive weapons uh, to throw at them that I, I don't think they could junk it up too much. I really don't. They've got, it's, it's another thing that helps Trey is that they don't, they don't have many scores. So you can hide yeah. pretty effectively defensively. 
And, you know, if, if they start Dylan Keenan, well, he's not a score. No. Nope. I mean, as Peyton. Uh, they would love that. I think the Hawks, I think the Hawks would love that if they, if they, if they try to do something to that, I mean, yes, he he might be better on Trey, but that also gives some, that's, that's just gives you somewhere to put Trey defensively. And I think I said this before the series, I'm not sure how accurate it is, but I was actually more worried about the offense than the defense coming into the series. Not like, you know, at least in terms of what their normal baselines are, because the Hawks are obviously better offensively than defensively. I, I don't see the Knicks really being able to short of a red hot shooting night, which might happen. And it's the, it's the playoffs. You might have one or two of those, but short of like hot shooting, I don't really know what the Knicks do to put a ton of pressure on the Hawks defense. As funny as that sounds for a defense is not necessarily fantastic all the time. The Knicks offense is just not terribly dynamic. Uh, they've been kind of carried by Randall this year. And even with Randall going crazy, there was still a below average offense for the season. So there isn't a whole lot to be scared of. I'm, I'm sure maybe this is fam- famous last words. I'm not trying to jinx anything, but I, I just wasn't terribly afraid of their offense. I think what you'll see in game two, uh, they're going to post up Randall a lot more. Yeah. Uh, he only got at the line twice. I think they're going to put him on the block and just let him try to play bully ball and see what happens. Um, but I, I'm with you. I'd much rather have Randall on the block trying to score two than shooting threes or distributing for threes. Um, you know, the, the Hawks, it's funny, you get a whole week to prepare, you know, and all this is covered. Uh, they've gone through this list of, well, what do we do when he's in the post and what do we do when he's on the wing? And I think it's, it really helps to have Hunter back uh, because we could move him around. Uh, you might see him more, a little more on Derek Rose. Uh, you know, you might see him on uh, Alec Burks a little more. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that, that Nate can utilize the defense of Hunter uh, to our advantage. Uh, but I think, number one, tomorrow night, I think they're going to get physical with Trey. And then number two, I think they're going to put Randall on the box and just throw it to him and post him up and see what they can do. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And uh, we'll see how the Hawks respond to it. But like you said, the team that lost – has to be the team that changes things. And there isn't a whole lot to change for the Hawks given that they won the game and uh, at least secured the uh, the split. Because uh, I know the old adage is that if you go up on the road and split, you're in great shape. And now it's time to get greedy, I would say. Um, at least go, oh, if, yes. if, they, if they can go sweep them, then uh, the pressure, if it's not already on the Knicks, it's uh, it's firmly going to be there if they can go out there and get the first two. I, I, won't, I won't ask you to make predictions because you have to call these games. But uh, I well, feel pretty I, good. I, Brad, I couldn't tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. And I think that's what makes this team so intriguing. I go I go to the games each night thinking, you know, how is this going to play out? How are we going to handle this? And no preconceived notions because I really don't know how they're going to respond. But I feel so secure in, in having Nate on that bench, uh, a guy who's been there, done it all, seen it all, coached it all. Um my confidence level goes through the roof that he knows when to sub, when to call a timeout, when to change things up. I, I, I just sit back and let it play out. You know, that's to me the best thing. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Um, well, I'll take it up. I'll take up too much of your time already. I'm going to have you on again, if you are willing before sure. episode, before episode 2000, I will not wait another thousand episodes. <laughs> I ask you to come on the show. Um, well, Brad, I- listen, from all of us that are Hawks fans, thank you for this service. I know that it 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 is so time consuming. Uh, it takes eats up a lot of your time. Uh, you know, we we are so grateful to you 
uh, and and everybody that makes this this podcast come to life, you're a, a lifeline to us. Uh, that you're there every day, day in and day out. And so uh, all Hawks fans, I think, owe you a debt of gratitude and a big thank you and congratulations. Not many podcasts make it to a thousand episodes. <laughs> and uh, and for that, you were to be congratulated. And we thank you for being such a big Hawks fan. Well, thank you, Bob, for uh, for coming on. And also, I should, uh, well, I guess you could do this too. We should, we should tell people that uh, you are you are broadcasting this game. They, they don't have to watch the national broadcast. You you guys are on the air at Bally. Yeah, if you don't want to listen to two guys in a broom closet call the game, <laughs> come on over to Bally. Bally Sports Southeast, and we'll have tonight, we'll have Friday. Now, we're not on uh, Sunday. Uh, by law, the NBA dictates that there are no local broadcasts against an ABC game. Ah, yes. So the ABC exclusive window. One o'clock Sunday is exclusive, but then we'll be back if it goes to five and six. Uh, and then we have to wait and see if ABC picks up game seven, but it may be on TNT game seven because uh, they, since ABC is taking game four. So we'll see how it all plays out. But yeah, we're there every night. If it's not ABC, if Just nothing else, yeah, if nothing else you're calling Wednesday or calling and calling Friday. So we can uh, write, write those in pen and we'll, uh, we'll see what happens from there. And we'll, and for those that are coming to the game, we're upstairs amongst you. We're right outside Atlanta Social at the top of the lower bowl. Uh, we'll be barricaded off, but we can still see you. And uh, we can't wait to welcome our fans back to the arena. That is just going to be so much fun to have that place rocking again. Uh, it's been too long, and, and uh, I'm just so, so excited to have the fans back. Yeah, I can't wait to be there with a, a much fuller house for the first time in uh, quite a while. Yeah, it's going to be, be fun. It'll be exciting. Well, thank you, Bob, for doing this. I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, you are the best in the business, as I, as I always say. And uh, occasionally you even tweet during games, which people, I, I encourage people, uh, I, I'm sure you'll be tweeting Sunday. If you're not I calling will, the game. I will be a tweeting sensation on Sunday. If you're not calling the game, if you can't have the uh, the real <laughs> thing of Bob calling the game, you can follow his Twitter account. He'll fire away for you on Sunday. Uh, Brad, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for doing this, Bob. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast and we will see you all next time.